Let me echo what Eric said at the beginning and thank everyone who was involved in our trunk retreat this last weekend. He was not exaggerating the numbers at all, actually. Literally hundreds were here for that, and it was a, a wonderful time of fellowship and fun. Animals, trunks, uh, games, food. There was lots of food. We appreciate everyone who had a part in that and everyone who participated in it. And I hope that you're planning on coming this evening. We just sang a song that our church loves and sings very well. It's a very moving song taken from much of Scripture uh, that calls us to love one another and join in together as we sing His praises. And we're going to be doing a lot of that this evening from 5 to 6. And we've invited all of the area congregations to come as well. I just received a, a message from... Chuck Munoz, our good friend and brother at Shiloh Road, and he said that they have dismissed their small groups tonight and are encouraging their church to meet here uh, with us as well and be a part of this. I know their forest song is coming up in January, a special weekend of singing. And so I'm really looking forward to their being here and others from area congregations and a lot of our folks that are going to be here, uh, a lot of you hopefully this evening at 5 p.m. We have the schedules outside. Hopefully you picked one of those up that's got our songs, and we have many of our young men that are going to be offering up prayers or scripture readings, uh, leading us in singing, Uh, and it's going to just be a a wonderful, encouraging night tonight, and I hope that everyone uh, will come and participate as we gather uh, with our church family to praise our great God, and uh, it's a wonderful opportunity. You'll leave inspired and encouraged. We're singing some of the newer songs that we know well. We're singing Uh, uh, Some of the older songs that we haven't sung much at all recently, but we're going to uh, tonight, and I hope that you'll be a part of that. Family is very important. It's very important as a church. It's very important for us as individual families and as individuals to be encouraging to each other as we meet together uh, as a church, and I appreciate uh, what Sean said just a few moments ago about the election. We've been uh, voting and early voting. We've seen all the campaigns. I got bad news for you. Even though the campaign is about to be over, um, Medicare open enrollment is still going on. So (laughs) sorry about that. So there's good news and bad news there, but we certainly want to be prayerful for our nation, for our community, for our states, for our world, and we ask for God's will to be done. And we know uh, that it will. Um, In a family that honors God, all can say this. I am loved and respected. That's our hope. That's our prayer. That's our desire for every single family and for every family member. That everyone within that family is able to truthfully and genuinely make that statement. I am loved and respected. This is a special week for Joyce and me and for our family. It's one of those birthday weeks. Her family in San Antonio is huge, as many of you know. She's second oldest of nine kids, and February is the big birthday month for them. Well, this is one of those weeks. The last of April, first of May is big for us, but uh, this is one of those weeks as well because our oldest daughter, Amy, in Maryland had a birthday yesterday. Uh, Joyce has a birthday coming up one week from today, but you did not hear that from me. Um, But she's got a birthday next Sunday. So this is all, you know, family is kind of important all the time, but especially during those special times for anniversaries and birthdays and uh, commemorations of different things. 
within family. And it's important for families to feel loved and respected and for every family member to feel that way. For marriages and families to be faithful in God's sight, they must live in ways that honor marriage, honor each other, and honor God. As we speak today about marriage in the home and family and parenting and uh, childrening, um, husbands and wives, parents and children from Ephesians 5 and 6, I want to I make this statement first of all, and that is that some of our families, some of our individuals as they grow up, they choose not to marry or they choose not to have children or because of circumstances they find themselves in, they can't do that. And we get that, we understand that. And, and, I, and I want you to know that that is a wonderful, absolutely biblical way to honor God with your life. And so uh, we honor you as well. But the Bible does have much to say about husbands and wives and parents and children. As I meet with brides and grooms like I've done recently and am still doing leading up to Peter and Autumn's wedding in January. Shout out to you, Peter. Um, I, I want... You know, I, one of the things I tell them is the Bible doesn't have anything at all to say about a wedding ceremony. It's 100% custom. Nothing in there. I used to think that you opened your Bible, you came to a certain passage that said, Dearly beloved, we're gathered together before God in this company to unite this man and this woman in the bond of holy matrimony who gives us well. No. <laughs> There's nothing there about a ceremony. So I tell brides and grooms, so long as you don't ask me to do anything illegal or unethical, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in at your wedding. But the Bible has a whole lot to say about marriage and parenting and being faithful as husbands and wives and parents and children. And so we get to talk about some of those things today. The book of Ephesians certainly addresses this. How we're to act in our everyday lives as family. And so first of all, to husbands and wives, the message is simply this, love and respect. That's the message in Ephesians 5. In that very familiar passage at the last half of the chapter uh, that speaks to husbands and speaks to wives. Husbands, love your wives. With two examples given, the way Christ loved the church and the way you love your own body. No one who is healthy tries to harm themselves. And Jesus sacrificed himself and gave himself for his bride, the church. And those are the examples that are given for a husband for how you are to love your wife. And then to the wives, he says, as you know, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. The church submits to Christ. Christ is the Savior of the body. And the body is referred to as his bride. And so the wife is called upon to respect her husband and to demonstrate that respect. Now, before we go any further, let me just say this. Here's the disclaimer, and we'll say it again when we get to parents and children. This does not justify abuse. This does not justify domestic violence at all. And unfortunately, men, especially particular men, have waved that passage at their wives, nearly hit them with their Bibles with it, to say, see there, you have to submit to me no matter how I treat you. And that is not at all what that's saying. In fact, that is the opposite of what that's saying. That is the opposite of loving your wife the way you love the church. There is never any justification for domestic violence or for abuse. Never, never. Never. 
no matter what else is going on. And many have that in their history and in their past and, and struggle with it and deal with it their whole lives. And, and um, our hearts go out to you and we're grateful for you. But there is a call for husbands and wives to treat each other with love and respect. And why, why is it that they're different? Well, they're kind of different and kind of not. In verse 21 of Ephesians 5, it says as a kind of a summary statement at the beginning or at the end of the passage it just finished, wherever you want to put it, it says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So husbands and wives are told to love each other. Husbands and wives are told to submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. We get that. But there, there is a difference between men and women. When God created males, he, uh, humanity, he created the male and female. And even though our culture may be trying to persuade us that's not true, that is truth. That is truth. And they're different. Some are more different than others, but they're different. They're different. I love this little story. A, a day in the life of a husband and wife, each writing in their journal at the end of the day. This is her journal. Tonight, my husband was acting weird. We had made plans to meet at a nice restaurant for dinner. Conversation wasn't flowing, so I suggested that we go somewhere quiet so we could talk. He agreed, but he didn't say much. I asked him what was wrong. He said, nothing. I asked him if it was my fault that he was upset. He said he wasn't upset, that it had nothing to do with me and not to worry about it. On the way home, I told him that I loved him. He smiled slightly and kept driving. When we got home, he just sat there quietly and watched TV. He continued to seem distant and absent. Finally, with silence all around us, I decided to go to bed. About 15 minutes later, he came to bed. But I still felt that he was distracted and his thoughts were somewhere else. He fell asleep. I don't know what to do. Now this is his journal. End of the same day. Rough day. Boat wouldn't start. Can't figure out why. <laughs> One of those that has to grow on you after a few minutes, right? That's really all he said. <laughs> husbands are told to love their wives. Wives are told to respect their husbands. And, and why is that? Well, Dr. Emerson Egricks in his book by that name, Love and Respect, shares something in that book that he calls the crazy cycle. And this is what that looks like. On this crazy cycle, you see, without love, she reacts and withholds respect. Without respect, he reacts and does what? Withholds love. You see where this is heading, right? It's the crazy cycle. Egricks writes, My theory says that the wife has a tendency to react in ways that feel disrespectful to the husband. Thus the command for her to respect. And the husband has a tendency to react in ways that feel unloving to his wife. Thus the command to him to love. And so you see the, the purpose behind this. And this is, this is God's idea. This is God's teaching in Ephesians chapter 5. And that is that he instructs husbands to give to our wives what they need the most. And what seems a little bit unnatural for us at times. Or at least not as important. 
And to the wives, he shows them and he tells them, you need to give to your husband what he needs the most and what doesn't seem quite the highest priority for you, perhaps. This is affirmed by research done by author Shanti Feldhahn, and these references, resources are in the bulletin outline of the sermon that you have with you. She asked men and women, would you rather feel alone and unloved in the world, or would you rather feel inadequate and disrespected by everyone? Which would you rather feel, unloved or disrespected? And these are the results of her survey. 74% of the men in the survey, three-fourths, said they would choose to feel unloved rather than disrespected. Consistent with this stat, she shared another result. She reports more than 80% of men, four out of five, said that in a conflict, they were likely to be feeling disrespected. Whereas, she writes, we girls are far more likely to be wailing what? He doesn't love me. (laughs) And the husband doesn't feel unloved at all, but he feels disrespected. Our tendency is to withhold our part until our spouse starts delivering on their part according to our expectations and needs of what that actually means, which, of course, results in the crazy cycle. So in Ephesians 5, what God is calling husbands and wives to be especially focused on are the things that our spouse needs more that we personally may not put at the top of our list. And it's vital that the husband loves the wife in a way that she feels loved. And it's vital that uh, the wives love the husbands in a way that he feels like she respects him. Not just loves him, but respects him. And sometimes that's difficult to understand. And so what do you do? Ask your spouse. (laughs) Ask your spouse. And be ready to hear their answer and not take it personally, but rather learn from it and act accordingly. I love this story of Paul Faulkner, Dr. Paul Faulkner, a former ACU, late ACU professor in the marriage and family and Bible department. Uh, He and Carl Burkeen did all of these marriage enrichment seminars years ago. And one of the things they would talk about is this very thing, how husbands can help their wives and make them feel loved. And so he says, you need to do romantic gestures for your wife. And so while they were in between sessions, one of the husbands in the the audience came to him and said, Dr. Faulkner, um, I'm not sure I know how to do that. Just what is romantic? And Brother Faulkner thought for a minute and he said, whatever your wife thinks is romantic. (laughs) That's the answer. Whatever she needs so that she feels loved, you do that. And wives, whatever he needs so that he can be assured that he has your respect, not just your love but your respect, then do that. Do those things. And when you talk about each other, talk about each other in positive ways. That doesn't mean you're untruthful or deceitful. It just means that you don't have to say everything that you're thinking It's called maturity. It's called being a grown-up. And so decide, I'm going to say things, especially around others, especially around my spouse's family. I'm going to say things about them that build them up. 
And there will be times where we discuss some of those things where we're each failing. And let me just, Joyce is here so she can, you can go back and she'll tell you, oh, he doesn't do any of those things. <laughs> Hopefully we both do some of them. And I think we do. And just, just the, this week, and she didn't see this sermon, but she came up to me and she just said thanks. While we were in the living room watching TV or something, she said thanks for doing the little things that you do. Clean up the cat box, take out the trash, unload the dishes, some, some little things like that. And, I, and that goes hundreds and hundreds of miles when we do that for each other. But we need to do that and share that and talk to each other in positive ways and especially talk about each other in positive ways. There's nothing more uncomfortable, I think, for a couple that's out with some other couples and one of the two is just like this. And anything this one spouse says about the other spouse is negative and hurt, hurtful. When we're around other people, we ought to make them feel like we're married to the best person in the whole wide world. And again, that doesn't mean that everything is perfect. It doesn't mean that there's not work to be done, but we can do it in appropriate ways. Uh, we speak to them in their love languages. Gary Chapman has written the book about the five love languages. Again, you help them feel loved. You help them feel respected. You speak to them in ways they understand. John and Julie Gottman have said, Happily married couples behave like good friends. Their relationships are characterized by respect, affection, and empathy. Happily married couples handle their conflicts in gentle, positive ways. Of course, you're more than friends. You're intimate with that person like you're intimate with no one else, physically but also emotionally. No one else on the face of this earth knows you like that person knows you. But that doesn't mean that you have permission to not treat them with kindness and consideration and love and respect. The song we just sang, The Greatest Commands, it's not just talking about how we treat each other in the church, but it's talking about how we treat each other at home. Yes, I think we need to let our guard down, and that's okay to an extent, so long as our spouse doesn't feel unloved or disrespected. Jerry and Lynn Jones sum it up this way in their uh, relationship seminars. Be kind to each other. Be kind to each other. We shouldn't have to remind ourselves to be kind to our spouse, right? But sometimes that reminder is needed. God's marriages are made up of husbands and wives who honor God in their marriage. And so now let's turn to parents and children briefly. In Ephesians chapter 6, the first four verses, we read what the call is to parents and children. And parents are told to bring up their children with love and discipline and instruction. Children are told to honor their parents in the Lord, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you. You know, kids, if you listen to your parents, generally speaking, there are exceptions. Generally speaking, you're, it'll go well with you. Your life will be better if you follow their counsel. And you'll live, long, you'll live longer. So you want to live longer and better? Listen to your parents. Tucker, that's something you can share with the kids maybe every week for a while. I don't know. And again, the disclaimer, that doesn't justify violence. It doesn't justify abuse. What is worse in our society and culture today than a parent who would take advantage of a child simply because they have power over them and abuse them. I can't imagine. There is no justification of that. Whatever else is true, none, zero. 
And we encourage our children to be safe. We encourage our wives to be safe. We encourage our parents, our husbands and wives to do right and to be kind. Parents are told to raise up their children with instruction, and children are told to honor their parents. I like this little story. Our six-year-old son, Alex, was looking at a picture of himself when he was one week old. Upon seeing his umbilical cord still attached in the picture, he asked, what is that black thing on my belly button? His eight-year-old sister, Maria, quickly replied, that's your extension cord. (laughs) Now, see, in a few years, this wireless generation is going to need that explained to them as well. But for now, I think it's okay. I think it's okay. And a word to those of us who have raised our children. Our young families are doing the best they can. The very best they can. And they need all of the encouragement and help and prayers and support that we can offer them. Let me ask you this, parents who have no children that you're raising at home right now. When would you rather raise your children? When you raise them? Or now? Today? Probably none of us would say today. But that's when our children and our grandchildren are raising our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. And they can't control the culture around them. All they can do is live in it and try to raise independent, loving, faithful, respectful children in the midst of it. They don't need our criticism. They don't need our gossip. They need our encouragement. And they need our prayers. And they need our help. And God expects us, commands us, to give that to them. Parents are told to love and discipline their children. Children are told to honor and obey their parents. What does the word discipline mean? It means today what it's always meant. It means to teach. The word disciple means learner. To disciple, to discipline means to teach. And it can be positive in encouragement when things are done well. And it can be negative in punishment when things are not done well. It's all discipline. Lovingly instructing a child. Children need to be taught that their choices and behavior have consequences. Jerry and Lynn Jones speak of helping your children uh, face the natural consequences of their decisions at some appropriate level. Obviously, you have a four-year-old and you've told them not to run out in the street. You don't just let them run out in the street and get hit by a car so that they'll learn. That's not what you do. But there may be times where you tell a child, hey, listen, you need to clean your room today, but I want to go to X party tonight. Okay, fine. If you clean your room today, you can go to the party tonight. And then that night, the room's not clean and the child expects to get their way and go to the party. Well, what happens? It's hard. It's delayed gratification. Parents, it is delayed gratification. Because if you're looking for instant gratification, you will say yes every time. (laughs) Because they can make your life miserable like no one else can (laughs) when they don't get their way. But guess what? Sometimes they should not get their way. And you have to pay the price for it. I'm sorry. But that's called being an adult. That's called being a parent. And I think you should say yes as often as you can. But when you need to say no, you say it. And you say it fairly and you say it firmly. 
parents are told to encourage, not embitter their children. And that doesn't mean just helping them to find what their dreams are and reach them. I realize every Hallmark movie these days says follow your heart, but that is not biblical. It is not biblical. I love them. I love them all. I know exactly who the good guy is, the bad guy is. Joyce can tell you in five minutes into the movie what's going to happen. And we still watch it because they're great. But when you hear follow your heart, that is not biblical. You follow whose heart? The heart of God. We help our children to learn and to, and to understand what God's will is, what God's heart is telling them to do. And do that. Do that. Help them to find the appropriate godly dreams and seek them. Train up the child in the way that they should go, Proverbs tells us. Parents are told to encourage, not embitter their children. Who would want to do that? One way parents can do this is by making positive memories. And we saw that in Trunk or Treat. We see that in every activity that we have here. VBS, Leadership Training for Christ, which is just now beginning to kick in uh, for next spring. Our Sunday school, our Bible classes, activities, church activities, singing nights. All of those help make good memories for your children that associate them with the church and with God. And it's important for parents to be able to encourage each other. Joyce and I love looking back on the days when we were raising our children in, um, in Arlington. And we had a group of young adults, much like our We Connected group here and the young families we have here, that we relied on, that we did stuff with, that we were with all the time. We're in each other's homes, had pizza night on Friday nights. We're at someone's house for sandwiches or going out to eat together Sunday nights. And we all knew each other. We all knew each other's kids were horrible. We all knew each other's spouses were horrible. We knew our marriage. I mean, we knew everything. And we loved each other. And we helped each other. And that's what our young families need. And that's what they have if they're connected, if they're involved here in the church with their group. And we should encourage that and provide all opportunities for that to happen. I realize that when our daughters, we have two daughters um, and they're the same age as we are now. <clears throat> um, and they've given us four wonderful grandchildren. But I knew that when our daughters got to be about 10 and 12, that I was going to have to stop preaching on parenting for a while. Because I couldn't do it publicly. Because they knew my children. <laughs> and the same thing goes for preaching about family. We're all imperfect. None of us is perfect. And I love the quote that I saw on someone's Facebook page uh, recently. It doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. And that's God's idea and God's vision and God's dream for families today. Parents, just remember you're not in this alone. You have a church family that loves you and wants you to succeed, wants your children to succeed. But that includes being faithful. And God is on your side as well. Husbands and wives, here are two things to do this week. Number one, tell each other, I love you because you, and fill it in. I respect you because you, or when you, and fill it in. And do that on a regular basis. Tell each other that. And then secondly, ask each other, what can I do to show you how much I love you? What can I do to show you how much I respect you? And then do that. <laughs> Now, granted, ladies, we men, we're kind of thick-headed sometimes. It takes us a while to really get things. 
So hang in there with us. Don't give up on us. Ask each other that and then do that. And when you need counseling, when you need outside help, please go get it. Joyce and I have been to counselors before. It is a, it is a wonderful thing. And there are wonderfully qualified counselors that come from a perspective of biblical faith. Here in Tyler and in, the, in any area really. And by all means, get the help you need. Whether it's talking to a trusted friend or church leader or a professional, do that. Whatever it takes. Your family is worth it. Your health is worth it. Our first and best witness in the world related to the home is to have good families. Again, not perfect families. Not a perfect wife or a perfect husband. Not perfect children, not perfect parents. But good. A good family. What a great witness that is. I love uh, one of our good friends in Arlington, Texas, who was raising her, their kids the same time we were raising ours. We all had teenagers, and she told me one time, Bill, we put the fun in dysfunctional. <laughs> and I love that. I love that. Again, there's a point in time where you get to a level and you say, okay, this is, this is more serious than that, and get help. But all of us have a little bit of dysfunction in our families. We put the fun in dysfunctional. We want to be a church of families where each person can say, I am loved and respected. With husbands who love their wives the way Christ loved the church, who give themselves for their bride just as the Lord gave himself for the church. Wives who choose to respect and genuinely seek to build up their husbands. Children who are taught to be obedient to their parents and respectful to all in authority. And parents who encourage and build up their children. Homes and families where each one can say, I am loved and respected. That's our goal. That's our desire. That's our prayer. And if in your life we can help you feel that way, come as we stand. Sing our song together.